If you're shopping while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast, then you know and love the thrill of the hunt. But are you getting the thrill of the best deals? Rakuten shoppers do. They get the brands they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Nike, Walmart, and Zappos. And even stack sales on top of cash back. It's easy to use and you can get your cash back through PayPal or check. The idea is simple. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers. And Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt. At 3 a.m.? At all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense, so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. miracle Grow is simply the best. Until thou art removed, thou shalt find here no water to drink. Thou shalt not stretch forth thy hand to our own. Into our house enter thou not. Through our fence break through thou not. We are protected, though we may be frightened. Our life you may not steal, though we may be scared to death. Welcome to Scared to Death, Creeps, Peepers, Roberts, and Annabelles. I'm Dan. Hello, Dan. I'm Lindsay. Hello, Lindsay. Hello. My voice feels like it's pretty much back now. No, you sound you sound and look better. Okay, and look better. Was I looking unhealthy? Uh, not unhealthy, but I could just like see the fogginess in your eyes. You yeah. just look tired for a while. Good old local bee uh, or local honey. honey. There we go. <laughs> Have you been putting the bee pollen on your stuff? No, I don't even know where it is. Ay, ay, ay. I told you it's in the... Lazy Susan next to the oh, coconut man, that you it. put on your My yogurt. Your yogurt parfaits. So any any uh, uh, allergy sufferers? Yeah, it's um, been rough. It's been rough. But I, I will say just a little tip. I mean, I'm I usually would consider something like this a little hippy dippy, rightly or wrongly. To me. But I listen to Lindsay, mm-hmm. and I've heard for years that like local honey, and it has to be local honey because mm-hmm. then the bees are pollinating the things locally that are bothering you. Right. I don't know what the science is, if there is any, but I just know that it seems to be much more than placebo effect for me. It is. Because I started taking that stuff in a glass of hot water every day with some cayenne pepper and some lemon juice, and I have not taken Claritin D, I've not taken Flonase, and I take that stuff daily and have taken it daily for years and I feel way less dried out, and I just yeah, my allergies aren't that bad. Yeah. So I don't know. That's pretty pretty cool. I also have you on passing a, along some advice. Well, I help, also have maybe. you on a hardcore vitamin regimen. Yeah. We added in mushroom forceps. We or cordyceps. We added in an allergy like tincture. Mm-hmm. You can also take nettles if your um, allergies are out of control. I have, I know all the I, things. I haven't I haven't looked up any of this stuff, but I know that I feel better. <laughs> I would love it if like secretly I'm just giving you meth. <laughs> I feel great. I I cleaned the house four times yesterday. A little bit of cocaine. Um, I'm getting about an hour to sleep each night. And yeah, no. Oh my gosh. My teeth feel brittle. But other than that, I feel great. That's fine. You already have soft teeth (laughs) to begin with. So you probably just figure it's your teeth. I don't have soft teeth. It's a weird thing to say. 
You might have soft teeth. Okay. Uh, we have a creepy show today with tales that may influence your nightmares or cause them. Uh, before we get to the preview for those, cool new scared-to-death popcorn bowl in the store at badmagicmerch.com oh, yes. for some horror movie nights or whatever. Well, yeah, if you— has a lid. You can use it as a storage container. Yeah, like I, I used it in the live watch party— Jane Doe, I think autopsy uh-huh. of Jane Doe. So if you saw me with that bowl, you know what it is. It's so cute. Uh, if you're having problems with demons, maybe you could use it to trap one and seal them in there. I don't know. I don't think so. And we don't know for sure that it doesn't do that. We don't know that it does it, but we don't know for sure that it doesn't. I'm going to say it probably doesn't. Uh, reminder that in large part, thanks to the Roberts and Annabelles on Patreon, we were able to uh, donate uh, $13,800 here at Bad Magic Productions to the Ocular Melanoma Foundation in honor of former Bad Magic uh, magician Alex Roach, who was uh, obviously passed way, way too soon. To find out more, go to ocularmelanoma.org. One last quick announcement, another reminder that on Thursday, June 10th, just like we did here uh, on Scared to Death, doing another live show, this time uh, a different Bad Magic show, Is We Dumb, hosted again, loopedlive.com, virtual doors open at 6 p.m. Pacific time. Show starts at 6.30, going to be a photo booth, a chat room, possibly some more bells and whistles. Going to be wild uh, because, well, <laughs> I say we hold back on Is We Dumb, but I leave almost every episode being like, well, that's the one that gets the whole network canceled. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God, I probably shouldn't have said that. Probably shouldn't have said that. I'm always out there cringing like, ooh, ooh please that's, don't. Please that's don't. going to get some trouble. That's going to get some trouble. And then this is like uh, – but, you know, there are certain things with YouTube, mm-hmm. with podcasts, you know, <laughs> hosting devices that we're like, that probably will – Truly, for sure, get us taken off. Yeah. We might be doing some of those things on the Loop Live show. Did you and Joe name the show yet? No, we're just going with live. We were thinking oh, about man. all these crazy titles of like live and uncensored, but it felt. Oh, I there don't were know. some. During our staff meeting yesterday, there were some interesting titles being tossed around. Oh, yes. I forgot about those. I will no. leave those out for the young ears <laughs> that might be listening. It is it's a raw show. It's much, much, much more uh, adult than, than this show, mm-hmm. um, which is already. Which is already, we get, you know, we get let it fly a little bit. Yeah. If you thought Get the Fuck Out was bad, oh, oh just oh, do buddy. not ever listen to Is We Dumb, please. No, just... You'll, you'll just hate Dan forever. <laughs> He'll be like, oh, I didn't know that's what was working under there. <laughs> uh, okay, let's talk about some horror now. Okay. How many stories do you have today? I have two. I have, my first story is a little haunted house situation, I'll call it. And then my second one, I, ooh. Yeah, you were telling me about that one. Can I preview what, what where yeah, the monsters may be located? Sure, go you ahead. You said it was a good under the bed story. Yes, monster, like literally, uh, yeah, 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 literally. Yeah. I'm not exaggerating. I'm not saying that as uh, some little segue into something clickbait. else. Nope, it is definitely monster under the bed. You oh, are going to die. Those are good stories. Uh, good and terrifying. Good. Uh, okay, so I have uh, you know. Um, Two, as per usual. The first story has drawn uh, a lot of comparisons to the 2009 horror movie Orphan. Uh, Did I see that one? um, I think we may have seen that early on in our dating. Yeah. Uh, That movie um, came out before the story occurred. So, yeah. (laughs) Didn't we start dating in 2012? Yeah, I didn't say we saw it in the theater. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. No, I knew that. Okay. Uh, So, yeah, the, the, the film, I want to say the film was not influenced by this story. Um, okay. So, uh, did this film influence the parents' choices and perception of reality in uh, in today's story? I mean, maybe, but that was never written anywhere. Okay. I, I just wanted to say this because it's mentioned a lot okay. out there on the oh, web of okay. like, oh my god, this is exactly like Orphan. Oh my god, this mm, is uh, the, the, see, the plot of Orphan. Um, so yeah, just throwing that out there to let creeps and peepers know that, that we're aware. I'm okay. aware. Okay. Okay. And also, the story, uh, the first story, um, controversial. 
I will say right away that it could not be paranormal at all. I do know that. And it could just be very sad. Oh. Including it because it raises a possibility, however small, of something new, terrifying, and haunting. It really got my mind going. Okay. Sophie and I talked about it quite a bit. We were on the fence. Should we include it? Should we not include it? Chose to just because of – you'll see in the setup of the story, like, it it just – the possibility that it raises might be scarier than the story itself. That'll make sense soon. Fair. And then for the second story, we head to uh, another possible haunted body of water, mm. Nevada's Pyramid Lake. No, no lakes. <laughs> I know. I know. We're getting oh, ready. No, to... We spend a lot of time on the lake. Uh, interesting folklore, modern sightings, strange disappearances, what's going on underneath the water. And this is going to make us uh, have scared moments on the lake for sure. Okay, great. That is, you know what, Dan? I'm so glad that you're telling that story mm-hmm. as we're edging into summer mm-hmm. and, you know, when we would want to be swimming in our lake. Yeah. Like, I'm so glad you chose to tell that story love, now so that yeah. I don't have any time to forget it between mm-hmm. like now and, oh, you know, 4th of July. I like to think about like, what are we what are we doing coming up that's going to be fun? And then how can I ruin that by putting a lot of fear into the uh, situation? Okay, great. Well, I can think of a lot of things that I can ruin if that's the <laughs> approach we're going to take. Uh, you, you, uh, you ready for this first tale? You need to settle in? I am. Uh, I, I'll settle in. I'm going to wrap my leg up so we can just... I got this like set of unicorn socks that is <laughs> like funny. a series of unicorns. And I just... <laughs> I'm trying not to show you guys everything. Do, do, do. And I just want to say I'm wearing this dress. Um, now, I have to cover up a little bit because it's a little bit booby. You don't have to, but you are. Yeah. Well, yeah. My boobs were falling literally out of this dress this morning. That's exciting. <laughs> Not at all scary. <laughs> um, but Dan got me this pretty dress that mm-hmm. I'm wearing and these earrings. I just want to give you some yes. credit. Oh, yeah. Those look good. Yes, I know. Yes, they're yes. very cute. So, okay. okay. Um, I, took, I took a chance and, I, and I, I got myself all worked up for nothing and it was fine. I'm always worried about like, uh, you hate it. And this time I was like, whatever. It doesn't even matter. It doesn't and, even it, matter. It it's, doesn't. The thought, it, it's, tr- mm-hmm. it's the thought that counts. Like, Yeah. And that's the approach I took and then it, it worked out. And even if it didn't, I wouldn't be yeah. like... I just love how it sounds like, oh, when Dan no, gets no, the you gift would, wrong, Lindsay really no. brings down the hammer. No, not true. That's yeah. not not true at all. <laughs> okay, so this first tale, so we've talked a bit on Scared to Death before about doppelgangers. Oh, shit. Okay. Mimicking apparitions or entities who could make you doubt your view of the world. Creatures that could make those around you doubt their view of the world. Making these malevolent beings extra frightening is how, after an encounter, you likely wouldn't feel like you could trust your eyes, your sense of reality anymore. If, if you've mm-hmm. seen, for example, like a fake you or a duplicate version of someone else, wouldn't you start to wonder if everyone else around you, everyone you encounter, might not actually be who they say they are? Correct. Was the waiter who gave you the creeps for reasons you couldn't quite put your finger on at that dinner the other night who he claimed to be? Or was he something sinister, something not quite human, mm-hmm. something not even close to human? Is one of your neighbors something else or all of your neighbors something else? Questioning reality like that could easily drive a person mad. The neighbor thing would be really frightening. Uh, It also easily could make everyone around you think you've gone mad. How many stories have we heard where at some point the people in them wonder if they're crazy or accuse one another of being crazy or are so afraid that people think they're crazy, they hesitate to tell anyone what they're experiencing and try and get help. Luckily, in most of these paranormal instances, there's the hope that maybe someone else will also at least see the doppelganger you're seeing, and then you won't be alone mm, in your mm-hmm. feelings of questioning reality. At least someone else can affirm that you're not crazy, that the world just isn't what you thought it was. Uh, is that comforting? It was supposed to be, but it doesn't feel like it's comforting. Uh, <laughs> it just means that there's two of you freaking out <laughs> instead of one. Well, this is this is um, a, a different twist in that realm. What if an entity could truly make you go mad by never allowing the possibility of others seeing what you see by choosing to present itself differently to different people? So you're all seeing it, 
but you're not all seeing the same thing. How strange and terrifying. Oh, that's weird. Right? Like what if, what if something could terrify you over and over and then others do see what you're telling them to look at, but they don't see what you see. You see something vicious. They see something harmless. Oh, dang. How would that not drive you mad? You know, to one person, maybe the entity presents itself as, say, a dangerous and violent woman. Uh huh. But then to another or to everyone else outside your family, perhaps it presents as an innocent and helpless child. Oh, dear. Some paranormal investigators think that's exactly what happened to Christine and Michael Barnett and their three sons, that they all saw one thing and the rest of the world saw something else. Are they heartless adoptive parents who abandon a child with special (gasps) needs? Or are they victims of something really, really hard to wrap one's mind around? This is an odd story. Time now for the tale of who is the real Natalia Grace? In 2010, Indiana couple Christine and Michael Barnett adopted six-year-old Natalia Grace from the Ukraine. Natalia has a form of dwarfism known for causing skeletal abnormalities and on occasion vision, vision and hearing issues. And her dwarfism will add to the confusion of who and how old she really is. Natalia had come to the U.S. two years before being adopted back in 2008. Her first adopted family gave her up for initially undisclosed reasons and then the Barnetts were contacted. Originally, they'd been set to adopt a little girl from Haiti, but their plans were halted due to complications that arose from that massive, tragic, and deadly earthquake that rocked Haiti in early January of 2010. Death toll estimates from that quake have ranged from 100,000 to over 300,000, by the way. In April of 2010, the couple was contacted by an adoption agency in Florida, saying they'd like to pair them with a special needs Ukrainian girl. The adoption that followed was a whirlwind process. And the Barnetts handled it like pros. They'd fostered other children from foreign countries before. One of their sons was highly autistic, and they knew how to raise a child with special needs. That's cool. Because they were familiar with adoption procedures, they weren't alarmed when the first age discrepancy popped up regarding Natalia. They knew that the medical care children received in their home countries was often shoddy and the records often poorly kept. They were told that Natalia was six, having been born in 2003. But in 2010, a physician examined Natalia said she was eight. Six, seven, eight. At the time, they thought, what does it matter? True. They were getting a little girl that they were ready to love for a couple who'd long yearned to add to add an adopted daughter to the three biological sons they already had. It still seemed like a dream come true. But in reality, at least according to the Barnetts, it was the beginning of a nightmare. The couple soon started wondering if Natalia was much, much older than six or eight. Sometimes she seemed so much older. Sometimes they talked about how if they hadn't adopted Natalia and had just met her somewhere, they would think she was an adult. Hmm. They knew they sounded like monsters, thinking and saying things like this, but Natalia often gave them the creeps. And much of what they encountered, if true, would certainly be creepy and disturbing. For example, when Christine first helped give Natalia a bath, she saw that Natalia already had pubic hair, and not the kind a child would just begin to get at the onset of puberty. For lack of a better term, she had an adult amount. Hmm. Nearly an impossible amount, in Christine's estimation at least, for a six-year-old to have an extremely rare, extremely improbable for an eight-year-old. Later, she'd come to believe that Natalia had been hiding her menstrual cycle since she arrived. That seemed to be the only explanation for the blood found on clothing and sheets. And she wondered how long had she been having her period? A few months? Hmm. A few years? Many years? How old was she? They also thought that Natalia's behavior was just odd and not kid-like. She never seemed interested in toys or playing with other children. When kids played around her, again, according to the Barnetts, she watched them with a cold adult expression on her face. She also apparently had a significant Ukrainian accent. But when Christine and Michael tried to speak a few words of Ukrainian to her, she claimed she didn't remember them. She didn't remember any Ukrainian words. 
She also said she didn't remember her life there at all. She also, according to the Barnetts, didn't have any baby teeth. And in the years she would live with them, she also never grew an inch. They spoke with doctors, and this was not typical at all for a child with the type of dwarfism she had. It was all so strange. The Barnetts found everything about Natalia odd, and they started to wonder, who was she really? Had they just unknowingly brought a strange young woman into their home, a young woman who slept down the hall from them and their three boys? And then soon, they went from concerned to outright frightened when Christine walked into the kitchen one day to find Natalia pouring pine salt into Christine's coffee. Christine says she ran over, stopped her immediately, hoping, praying that Natalia was just kidding around, messing around, making a mistake. But then when she asked Natalia what she was doing, she says that Natalia replied with, I'm trying to kill you. Ooh. Now, of course, Christine and Michael are scared, very scared. What if not only did they have a strange young woman pretending to be a child in their home, what if they had a strange young woman in their home who was trying to kill them? What if she went after one of the other children? The Barnetts claim this pine saw poisoning incident was quickly followed by other blatant attempts at murder. Jeez. They reported that Natalia allegedly threatened to stab them in their sleep, also once blatantly tried to push Christine into an electric fence she was walking past. After the last incident, the Barnetts took the girl to a hospital and stress center to be evaluated. There, to their further shock and horror, Natalia allegedly told the doctors quite honestly what she was planning on doing. She said she was going to kill Michael, Christine, and their three biological children. What the fuck? She said she had wrote out in a journal that she had a plan including what she would do with their bodies. Christine and Michael were now convinced that they were not dealing with the little girl. They had invited someone or maybe even something else into their home, something deadly. But then when doctors performed some bone tests, they approximated her age as only eight. What? Two years later, in 2012, further tests put her age at 11. Were the Barnetts wrong? During these years, the Barnetts kept their doors locked at night, kept a close eye on Natalia. She remained in their home. Legally, she was their child. But despite the bone test, they didn't believe that she was their child or a child. In June of 2012, the Barnetts legally changed her birth record to indicate she was born in 1989, not 2003, as her Ukrainian records indicated. Some accounts say they'd gotten a new doctor to agree with them that she was not a child. Others say they pressured a child into lying about her age to be rid of her, Mm. which is obviously horrible. Then they admitted Natalia into an inpatient facility where she was under 24-hour observation and care, and the staff there, a group of medical professionals, all allegedly did agree with the Barnetts that Natalia was an adult. What the hell is going on here? How could so many people differ in their perception of this one person, Natalia? How could her adoptive parents, doctors, everyone around them not all agree that she was a child or that she was an adult unless she could have somehow been playing tricks on them? Could she be some sort of malevolent entity, an adult sociopath masquerading as a child? Uh, Are the Barnett's terrible people? Are they cruel and neglectful parents? Making all this even more complicated, there is evidence out there that, at least in regards to one of their sons, they're great parents. In March of 2011, the Indianapolis Star featured the Barnett's eldest son, Jacob, in a front-page cover story. At the age of only 12, he was already studying physics and developing his own theories of relativity at Indiana University, Purdue University, Indianapolis. I'm really an underachiever. CBS News, me too. CBS News 60 Minutes even did a profile on him. Uh, Jacob was invited to give a TEDx talk on reality perception. 
By 2013, I, I watched part of it. He's, yeah, very intelligent. Great. But by 2013, the Barnett son had been accepted to study and began working towards a doctorate degree at the Perimeter Institute for Theoretical Physics in Waterloo, Ontario, Canada. I literally don't even know what you just said. <laughs> the family decided to move to Canada now to allow their literal genius son to pursue the highest levels of mathematics. They decided to uproot their entire lives for the good of their son. Pretty wow. solid parent choice there. But... At the same time, they also decided not to bring Natalia with them. Terrible parent move, or were they trying to save their family from something, somebody they truly thought was harmful? They moved Natalia into an apartment in Lafayette, Indiana, paid her rent for a year. Then Natalia disappeared for a while from public view. Meanwhile, in February 2014, Michael then files for divorce from Christine. Oh. Allegedly, disagreements regarding Natalia and the move led to their divorce. Later that same year, their adopted daughter, Natalia, is evicted from her Lafayette apartment, telling authorities months after she began living alone that she had not seen her family since they left the country. A former neighbor near her residence remembered that the girl attended classes for a while at Lafayette Adult Resource Academy, and then she stopped going to class. According to an affidavit, Natalia left Lafayette two years after arriving in February 2016, a month before a guardianship case for her custody was filed. The case was dismissed in January 2018 without a guardian being appointed. An attorney who now represented Natalia disputed the age claim, said she uh, she was now legally 27 thanks to that new birth certificate that was not correct in his estimation. The attorney proclaimed that the Barnetts had just been trying to get rid of her by changing her birth date. But why would they do that? The Barnetts had experience with caring for special needs children. Their genius son was, you know, again, highly autistic. They also knew the ins and outs of the adoption process. If they were having problems they didn't think were fixable, why not try and find a new adoptive family? There doesn't seem to have been any attempt. Why just straight up abandon her? Uh, they claim they left her because they really, truly believed she is new not who she claims to be. Charges and an arrest warrant for her adoptive parents were filed. Michael Barnett turned himself in to U.S. authorities, posted bond on September 18th, 2019. His attorney said his client was innocent of the charge of abandonment. The following day, Christine turned herself in, then bonded out of jail. Then on November 7th, 2019, American talk show host Dr. Phil interviewed Natalia, who was claiming to be 16. She appeared on the show with Antoine and Cynthia Mons, a couple she'd moved in with. She said, I actually thought I'd found the right family after bouncing around a lot of families. I thought I'd found the right family for me. Natalia admitted a previous family had returned her to social services when she injured one of their, uh, another child. She said, one of the boys, me and him were really close, so we wrestled. But I landed on his arm wrong, so the mom thought I was trying to break his arm, Natalia said. And then she was given back to authorities. That seems interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, she then denied attempting to kill the Barnetts. She told Dr. Phil that poison claims were just a misunderstanding that occurred while she was cleaning with Christine. She denied making plans to stab them. Dr. Phil seemed to believe her. He said, I certainly don't think this individual is 30 years old, so I think the court has done a real miscarriage of justice here in reading her the way they have. I don't think that's there's really medical support for that. Uh, he's not a medical doctor, though. Was Dr. Phil yet another person that Natalia was appearing differently to? Both parents pled not guilty during an initial hearing. A trial date was set for January 28, 2020. The charges were then were dropped in September of 2020. Why? We don't know. Currently, there is an ongoing appeal, from what I can tell, to have a higher court reinstate the charges. How will it all play out? A lot of people out there on Reddit threads and YouTube comment sections seem to believe the Barnetts were victimized by an adult Natalia. A lot of other people seem to strongly believe Natalia the child has been victimized by the Barnetts. Who's right? Did a girl's parents force their adopted daughter to say she was an adult in order to legally abandon her? 
Or was she actually an adult sociopath pretending to be a child and actively trying to kill them in their home? Or could there be another option? Was Natalia somehow presenting as both an adult woman and as a child to different people? Uh, Is she really who she claims? How terribly tragic that is, if that's the truth? Truly a heartbreaking story. But if she really is who the Barnetts claim, not only is that tragic for them, it is fucking terrifying for the rest of us. Is that a wild story? I'm 12. (laughs) Yikes, that is creepy for me. Um, Can you imagine? It's such a weird story. And again, like Sophie and I went back and forth on this. No, I, know, I'm glad you included it. Because it, I'm like, it's, it's not necessarily scary, but it's like oh, a, a psychological brain scratcher. It's a little... Yeah. Like what if you had somebody in your house that presented as this like helpless, innocent person to everyone right, else? Right. And then when no one else was around, uh, you know, was trying to literally kill you or kill like other people in the house. I mean, that is a... Well, a Terrifying possibly. And again, this is why it's compared to Orphan, the movie. Well, yeah, that is... Well, I don't know that movie, so I actually don't know what that movie's about, so... It's a very similar... It's been a while since I've seen it, but it's a similar premise where it's like, yeah, this this girl is, like, adopted, but then the girl is not a girl. She's a woman, and uh, mm. I can't actually remember if she, if she's... Uh, what kind of demonic overtones are or anything, but I do remember, like, she's she's trying to kill the people in the, in the home. Yeah, yeah. I, actually, I think. You think? Yeah, it's been I mean, a while since I saw it. A, to me, the sort of, like, line that we're walking along here is that on one side, she is mentally ill, you know, and that there's... Right. Uh... Whether that's she's sociopath, she's psychopath, right. multiple multiple personality. I don't know. There's like something going on yeah. on this side that all probably relates to, like you said, like she's got these physical deformities. Yeah. Like that could all be lumped into one thing. Yeah. So on one side, you have totally innocent person of their own regard, right? right? Like they're not choosing to have these issues, but they do. But then on the other side, if we're taking the paranormal route, it's just so bizarre because then it would mean that... She is like a shapeshifter. Right. Is right. basically where my brain went, where it was like I had okay. that word written a few times and I took it out because it felt too sci-fi, but yeah. Well, yeah, because it doesn't sound like she necessarily looks different. Like, okay, like when they take her to I I didn't get the vibe right. that when the Barnetts were taking her to the doctor, they were suddenly they were like, Don't you see she's twelve? And that they were like Oh no! But look at her graying hair. Or like, oh, it I didn't see, seem like there were yeah, any yeah, yeah. very specific notes about what was different about mm-hmm. what this doctor would see that would say she was eight versus this doctor who said she was 27 mm-hmm. but but almost like a mind control kind of thing where she's so like weird maybe sometimes she's really tired and like couldn't manipulate yeah. the way or the demon i don't know it's and, a, and, and again you know it's like yeah like we're saying you know it, it could just be such a sad thing and the barnett's could they could be monsters some people think that they're just terrible adoptive parents well maybe they're monsters but don't know that they're monsters like they're that, not that doing true. it to be harmful yeah they could believe what they they could believe uh something that's not true to be true yeah and i just think like with that sociopath thing that's always interesting to me too where it's that nature versus nurture mm-hmm. and i just feel terrible i mean forget like adoptive parents i mean but like all parents biological adoptive whatever mm-hmm. You know, you can – it's interesting how diff, how differently people will turn out who are raised in the same home. Right. And there is that – you know, some people – well, there's science that shows that, like, nurture has a strong component. Mm-hmm. And there's science that shows that, like, some people can truly be sociopaths. Right, right. And how scary is that, just that possibility for any parent that you could be – you could have a monster, not a paranormal kind, but, but a real monster of a sort in your mm-hmm. house mm-hmm. that you can't fix. Right. That does want to hurt, that does want to, right. like, possibly literally kill you. Or kill their siblings. Yeah. Ah, it's terrifying. Yeah, I don't study serial killers the way that you do because of time suck. Yeah. But 
if you lined up the entirety of every murderer, rapist, killer, mm-hmm. not all of them are going to have horrific childhoods. Yeah, it's interesting. Like that, they're the anomalies. I mean, mm-hmm. but most, they exist. but they exist. Most serial killers, you know, you look into them and uh, you're like, oh my god, right. how did they not become a serial killer with this like traumatic of a childhood? Even though. Plenty of other people will have similar childhoods. That's the other side of the same coin. Oftentimes they have siblings, many siblings, who don't turn out that way at all. Right. But there is, you know, there's that. There's there's kind of like this, you know, sick formula where it's like terrible childhood plus a head injury Mm -hmm. plus some tendencies plus kind of like certain trigger events will, Mm -hmm. you know, lead to that. But then there's also these cases of people who no head injuries, uh, you know, no doctors have ever found anything medically abnormal about them. Right. Uh, no, you know, uh, psychologists that we know court appointed psychiatrists have found anything, you know, in their childhood of like sexual trauma or anything. Right. They were raised by what seems to be a very loving family. Mm-hmm. And they just, well, I mean, Ted Bundy is like one of the That's most famous thinking. examples. Yeah. People will point to that um, he was lied to as a kid and told that his grandparents were his parents for a while and that his mom uh, was his sister. Is right. that fucked up? Sure. Sure. Is that a reason to butcher just woman after woman in the brutal, ridiculous fashion? Of course not. No. Much, many people have much more uh, horrific childhoods than he had. Well, right. Like, I think about what um, that, and I don't want to go, like, on a tangent about serial yeah, killers. I sure. know that we're a little off. Anyways, but that girl who lives locally, she was, you know, uh, brutalized by that guy. Uh, at Wolf Shasta Lodge. Groney. Yeah, it's like, yeah. you know... By, by her, Joseph Duncan, yeah. While her life is entirely fucked up, yeah. I don't know that I've ever heard of like her then reenacting that. No, she's she's um struggled. She's, she she's struggled not with, well. No, she struggled with drug abuse and, and things. Of course, you know, like the the trauma she went through. But I've never written or, or never read anything, and, and, and I have looked into her police reports. Nothing that shows that she's been violent, right? Right. You know, and, towards anyone. And she, and she experienced so much violence. The worst of the worst, in yeah. my opinion. So yeah, yeah it, it is just a really kind of uh, fascinating thing. And then the mm-hmm. other note that I made about just like fostering and getting a child yeah. from another country and language barriers. Yeah, I know that the adoption process is lengthy and yeah. expensive, and I we have friends that foster and have fostered and adopted. Like, I, I'm not saying I'm an expert, but I have yeah. seen it, and it, you know, it is. It's complicated, but but. It's not perfect. Right. And there's no way of anybody knowing. Like when you bring a kid into your house, yeah. you don't know. You don't, yeah. You don't you don't actually know who you're getting. Yeah, and we're I not, mean that's we're, crazy. And we're obviously not trying to deter anybody from adopting no, no. so many kids in these oh, wonderful no. homes. No, 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 no. I'm just saying, like, if but there was is, like it, some like demon y situation and then yeah. like she ended up with another family. I know. Like how long until she tortures that family if she is possessed by something. Right. It's so just, just a, crazy just a wild story. premise. Uh, a yeah, couple, yeah, yeah. couple pictures, then we'll move on. Yeah, uh, sorry, that was a lot of. No, that's, I think it's nice. It breaks things up. Uh, this is this first picture, Natalia. You know, again, six to eight year old child with dwarfism or older. Yeah, you know, possibly much older. And it's so hard to tell with that diagnosis. The Correct. age it of complicates a, it. Yeah. 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 Uh, and then the second picture, uh, more recent. This is from Doctor Phil. So you know, like a teenager or older. I mean, again, like you can't. It's just tricky. It's tricky, but I mean, in my opinion, she looks like, and she's thirty. I know that's what, and that's some people, and that's what's interesting in the comment section. Some people are like, oh no, she's clearly a teenager, and then other people are like, no, she's thirty. Yeah. I mean, it's very divided. It's, but but you could say that about like anybody. Yeah, you could see that about a lot of like, people. Some yeah. people think I look like I'm eighteen, and some people think I look like I'm forty five. You know what I mean? I don't, no one thinks you look forty five. Actually, yes, they do. Okay. Uh, <laughs> In this last one, 2019 pick of Michael and Christine Barnett. So that's just the adoptive parents there. 
no longer together. But yeah, yeah that's a. Uh, and it sounds like something that could drive a family apart. Oh, man. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Uh, just so interesting. And all those like medical tests and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and they were varied. Ugh. I don't know. It's just bizarre. Yeah. Very bizarre. You ready? Okay. You ready for another odd tale? Yeah. Gonna head to an infamous northern Nevada lake after a quick in-between story sponsor break. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What are the things that weigh you down on a day-to-day basis? What kind of stress are you holding on to? Do you spend much of your day going over things in your brain over and over until they are so distracting it affects your mental health? Well, don't worry. You're not alone. We all carry different stressors, some big, some small. When we keep things bottled up, the results can be negative. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest without fear or judgment. It's a place to work through what is heavy on your mind and heart so that you can feel lighter and happier. I'm always holding on to something. It's the way my anxious brain works. I'm continually worried that I've done something wrong, that I've hurt the feelings of someone I love, and that I have let someone down. I'm stressed that I'm not being a good enough mom or wife. I panic that our life will implode at any given moment and it'll all be my fault. Thankfully, I have an amazing therapist who helps me talk through each of these scenarios. After each and every appointment, I feel lighter, happier, and more capable of showing up as my most authentic self. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash scared to death today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash scared to death. Summer is just around the corner. Who's excited? I know I am. With the warmer, sunnier days calling your name, the last place you're going to want to be is in your kitchen, cooking and meal prepping. Make your life easier with Factors No Prep, No Mess Meals. Factors never frozen, always fresh meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. Think of all the extra time you will get outside in the summer sun when you aren't wasting hours in the kitchen. I think I speak for everyone when I say that the summer is the busiest time of the year. We are all trying to cram in as many things as possible, from concerts to vacations and everything in between. With Kyler home from college and Monroe on her break too, I want to spend as much time as possible with them. And while I truly love to cook, the summer is the one time of year that I'm the least interested in doing that for three meals a day. So I lean on Factor to help keep me healthy and in step with my diet. I'm obsessed with the honey yogurt pancakes for breakfast, the pork El Pastor for lunch, and the cilantro lime barramundi for dinner. So easy and saves me so much time. Head to factormeals.com slash scared to death 50 and use code scared to death 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code scared to death 50 at factormeals.com slash scared to death 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better, too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Thanks for listening, Creeps and Peepers. Now it's time to explore the mysteries of Pyramid Lake. Quite a bit of setup before any possible spooks. Interesting backstory. We've talked a little bit about bodies of water on Scared to Death before. The mysterious Lake Lanier in Georgia. Ghost ships. Uh, More paranormal reports revolving around turbulent, murky waters. A lot of the world's water is incredibly dark and mysterious. 
I found this interesting. More than 80% of the world's oceans remain unexplored. I know. Isn't that a fascinating number? It's a huge number. We really don't know for sure what all is down there, what could be lying in wait. We also don't know for sure if anything may or may not be hiding in the over 300 feet deep, dark, and often muddy depths of Nevada's Pyramid Lake. The lake contrasts starkly with the desert around it, a bright blue 15 by 11 mile large oval surrounded by a barren landscape of red and brown. It brushes up against some mountains nestled in the Truckee River Basin about 40 miles from the city of Reno. Today, the land it lies on is part of the Pyramid Lake Paiute Reservation. The Paiute tribe regulates all aspects of fishing and recreational activities on the lake. Pyramid Lake is what remains of Lake uh, Lahontan, a colossal inland sea 8,600 square miles large that once covered most of Nevada during the last ice age, approximately 2.6 million years ago. Which just, while just a tiny fraction of what it was once a part of, it's still a massive lake. It has a surface area of approximately 112,000 acres. It's a terminal lake, meaning it has an inlet, but no true outlet. And there, and there are a number of underwater shelves, caves, and other structures that can't be seen from the surface. Caves and shelves that some think are hiding some kind of monsters. The name Pyramid Lake comes from numerous soaring limestone cone-shaped formations called tufa formations that line the shores and jut out of the water here and there, with the largest of these being uh, An- Anaho. There we go, Anaho Island. It looks, for lack of a better word, mystical. The lake is well known for its natural beauty, as well as for being a sanctuary for vast amounts of birds, geese, pelicans, gulls, owls, grebes, and ducks. Also home to many species of fish, especially the massive uh, Lahontan cutthroat trout, which routinely grow up to 15 pounds. Wow. And it's a gigantic trout. I'll have some pictures. A lot more people have seen the lake than might realize it. Uh, an image of Pyramid Lake was the default screensaver for, iP- for Apple's first iPad when it came out in 2010. Funny. Uh, many of the people seeing this image of Pyramid Lake at night probably did not realize the lake is rumored to be haunted. Some, of course, believe that the strange stories about Pyramid Lake are nothing more than just silly fables, stories once told to keep children away from the water, stories now repeated just to give us the chills. But others aren't so sure. They point to the fact that every year, a number of bizarre and unexplainable events occur at Pyramid Lake, peaking in the spring. People say they've heard things that aren't part of a silly fable. The cries of babies, terrifying screams, and then, of course, there's the vast number of fishermen that have vanished into Pyramid Lake's deep waters. What could possibly be happening at Pyramid Lake? Time now for the tale of the mysteries of Pyramid Lake. Before white settlers arrived, the area around the lake was inhabited by members of the native Paiute tribe, which is comprised of three related groups of Native Americans, the Northern Paiute from Eastern California, Western Nevada, and Southeast Oregon, the Owens Valley Paiute from the California-Nevada border, and the Southern Paiute who occupied the Colorado River Basin and Mojave Desert. The Paiute of Pyramid Lake were known as the Kwiwi Tikata, uh, meaning Kwiwi Eaters, with Kwiwi referring to a type of fish endemic to the lake. This band of the Paiute people lived and had the area to themselves for centuries before the lake was then rediscovered and mapped by an American explorer and entrepreneur, John C. Fremont, in 1844. This discovery set off a wave of European settlement and spelled out disaster for the Paiute. Miners chopped down pinyon pine trees, an important source of food for the Paiute, thanks to their calorie-rich nuts or seeds, and the imported imported cattle destroyed the already sparse vegetation. With more and more people scrambling for limited resources, interactions between the settlers and the Paiute soon soured. Violence followed. Paiute raiding parties attacked settlements, killing anyone they found in their path. It eventually escalated into full-out war in 1860, a series of two battles known as both the Paiute War and the Pyramid Lake War. 
These two battles killed around 80 settlers and an unknown number of Paiute. Why couldn't the new settlers and the Paiute get along? Some of the Paiute thought they knew the strange source of this misfortune, that it wasn't a battle for resources, it was the result of an ancient curse. One old legend among the Paiute was that the lake was was home to a race of mermaid-like creatures and that one of these beings once fell in love with the village man. Then when the man brought this creature to his village, announcing his intention to marry her, the village scorned her, told the man to take this strange creature back to the water. The creature was so infuriated at how she'd been treated that she put a curse on the area, Hmm. promising that anyone who lived there would experience hardship and misfortune. Is it this curse, some say, that brought the settlers uh, and the tribes to war? Others believe the source of the violence and deaths leading up to the present are the result of a much more recent and darker legend. According to this legend, decades before the battles with the settlers, the Paiutes living near Pyramid Lake would drown malformed and premature babies in order to weed out their weakest members and keep the tribe strong. Jeez. And ever since, the lake has been haunted by their angry ghosts, vengeful spirits seeking revenge on the people that discarded them, not realizing that those responsible for their deaths are long gone. Do the ghosts of murdered babies still haunt Pyramid Lake today? Many have said that something in or around Pyramid Lake can be heard crying and wailing, especially in the early morning and evening hours, especially during the spring prime fishing times for Lahontan trout. Some think they're hearing a creature sometimes called water babies, according to local lore, and that the ghosts of these murdered children somehow morphed into something else, into some kind of monster. They believe the water babies lived uh, on, in a sense, past their deaths, that they grew up into something terrifying, something that could survive beneath the surface of the water, down in those caves and shelves, occasionally coming up for blood. It's been said that these water babies, whether ghosts or monsters, lurk beneath the surface and have been responsible for from uh, for everything, from damaging equipment to causing lethal boating accidents to outright attacking and dragging fishermen into the water. One local saying about the water babies is, if you hear them, you will have bad luck. If you see them, you are dead. Pyramid Lake does seem to have more than its fair share of missing people and deaths. While it's hard to find official figures, countless news stories tell of swimmers and scuba divers mysteriously drowning in the lake with many of their bodies never found. For just one example of many, on November 25th, 2014, local news outlets reported that a fisherman had died and two of his companions were missing after their boat was found capsized, and they've never been found. They were reported missing after failing to return from the weekend trip on Monday. Uh, News sources described them as frequent fishermen at the lake who usually docked their boat at Pelican Point. The Washoe County Sheriff's Office helicopter found the dual outboard motorboat flipped over more than a mile offshore in the Hell's Kitchen Canyon area. How did it get there? It seems strange that experienced fishermen got swept so far away from their dock by just maybe the wind. Something else happened. Much stranger, after another couple of men went missing years ago, according to a few different websites, their dead bodies were found in Lake Tahoe, even though they had drowned in Pyramid Lake. What? How could that happen? One theory is that the bodies floated there. Pyramid Lake is fed by the Truckee River, which is mostly outflow from Lake Tahoe, so the two bodies of water are connected, but how could a dead body float against the current upstream for roughly 70 miles? The answer is it couldn't, unless it was taken there by something, or by multiple somethings. And, and this is so weird, a lot of fishermen have reported the fish themselves acting very strangely in Pyramid Lake in ways they have never seen before. One man wrote in a very odd archived forum post, Wanted to update you guys on my Pyramid Lake trip. Michelle caught the fish of the day. It put up a fight as she reeled it in, and we saw why. It measured 21 inches. 
but we'd already got a bunch of that point, so Michelle carefully released it. Then something crazy happened. All of a sudden, there were trout all around our boat, literally dozens and dozens of them coming up to us. They were huge and acting very strange. The larger ones were darting towards us and swimming away, then coming back. The smaller ones were circling us. I said to Michelle, what the heck do you think is going on with the fish? Michelle frowned, I don't know, but they're pretty aggressive, she said. Maybe we should head back. I was about to tell her not to be so silly. Hard for a fisherman to walk away when fish are practically falling in your lap, but I was getting worried too. As I reached for the oar, a larger trout swam up and bit my finger. What? It shook its head back and forth like it was trying to tear a hole in me. I've never seen a trout so aggressive. I shouted to Michelle, get the oars. Michelle scrambled to get the oars and rowed us back to shore. We could hear pounding against the side of the boat like the fish were throwing their bodies at it, trying to smash the wood. It felt like they could break through. We finally reached the shore and climbed onto the dock. The fish were still agitated, darting away from us, uh, you know, back and forth, circling in a huge mass. Has this ever happened to anyone else? Any advice? Jason. And then months later, Jason edited his post to add uh, the following. Okay, need to add something to what I said earlier since what I wrote wasn't entirely true. Michelle says she didn't see what I saw, but what really made me take the boat into the dock that day was not just some fish. I saw something else in the water. I saw a couple things, actually. I don't know how to describe what I saw, other than it was like a monster or something. Little kid-sized things. Little kid-type faces. Scared the hell out of me. I still see those faces sometimes at night. Had a bit of a hard time getting back into fishing since that day, to be honest. I definitely haven't gone back to Pyramid Lake. Don't know if I ever will. Having a hard time fishing anywhere. Because sometimes when I look at the water now, I see those faces. Far enough down not to get a real good look, but close enough to the surface to know what you're seeing. I hate to think what those things would have done to Michelle and I if they would have gotten a hold of us. Anyone else? Anyone see those water babies, I guess? I don't know what else I'm supposed to call them. Would love to know that I'm not alone in this. Last I checked, it doesn't seem Jason's post has gotten any replies. Hmm. Just a weird story. That is bizarro. Interesting folklore. Yeah. And just, uh... Yeah, just an odd one. Just an odd one. I had never, uh, actually, you know what I was gonna say? I'd never heard of the water babies thing before, but actually, I think I did on Time Suck a long time ago. We did, we did, um, oh, like, uh, like some, some tribal folklore and talking about like various, you know, um, creatures that they're supposed to exist. I think we were talking about skinwalkers maybe in that episode. Uh-huh. And it led to legends of other creatures. Uh-huh. And that was when this came up, but I didn't really look into it. Do you think that's what the sunscreen is named after? Is there a sunscreen called Water Babies? Yeah, isn't that what the copper tone? Isn't that what the little kids? Somebody tell me. <laughs> I know you guys will tell me. Uh, I'm pretty sure. Huh. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That, I don't know if it is or not. I want to show you. Okay. Does this first picture look familiar? I, I have a vision did recognize in my head. it. Of the very first iPad screensaver. Oh, no, that's not backdrop. what I thought. No, are those? Like 2010. Stars? Those are falling stars. Like little meteors. Uh, or meteors, uh-huh. Cool picture. Yeah, it is. It is. But it's not the one I was thinking of. So, so that's Pyramid Lake. And then this next picture, <laughs> these trout, it's, it's famous for these Holy gigantic trout. Exactly. That, that trout. And that's what bit Jason? Mm-hmm. That's what he's claiming. Like one of these trout. That's a 24-pound trout. That's insane. I've never seen a trout that big. It's so crazy because when you think about 24 pounds, I think about like our dog. Oh, yeah. That's a dog size. That's one of our dog size trout. That looks trout. even bigger to me. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, here's some of those odd rock formations. Dog size trout. 
That's oh, why that, that's where it gets so its name. Oh, pretty! Yeah, it's very cool. Very cool. I mean, we're never going, but it's no, it's not in a real. The land around it is not so pretty. Northern okay. Nevada is just you know. I guess it's you know, teach the own. Desert. Not my favorite scenery. Well, you know how I do in Nevada. Mm-hmm. Dan and I took a road trip from Spokane when the before the kids before we were living up here and the kids were splitting their summers. Mm-hmm. We would come up and get the kids. And one year we were like, "Oh, let's just do like a road trip from Spokane to LA. We super fun." And it was great. We went to Virginia City. We had some good stops. But then there is this stretch. Yeah, I think it's Highway ninety seven. I think Holy is what we're on. It's this long, fuck my life. <laughs> yeah, barren is like that is that is uh, nice. That's a nice word for yeah. it. It's just fucking desolate and it and you is, come across these little group clusters of houses sometimes so and you're weird. like oh it's like uh it is like a horror movie it's like a rob zombie movie <laughs> it is. It's, it's so scary yeah. and there's um like what do they call it where like they a grindhouse s- horror film from the 70s or something yeah what do they call the where they stockpile um old munitions oh i can't think of that area but yeah in nevada there's just like this area where they yeah like um like where they buried they're like, buried they're buried all these old like munitions yeah it's just yeah. uh uh-huh. So they don't accidentally go blow up in the wrong place. I don't oh, know. Yeah. But we were, we it's were like driving. A graveyard for bombs. And we had been, prior to that, we'd been teasing the kids. We had this little song that we would sing to them about them, like basically crying about mm-hmm. bullshit things. Saddest girl in the world. Yeah. Right. So we would sing that to the kids. It would be like, you know, we were like, uh, you got ice cream right. for, you, yeah. or you had a beautiful you lunch <laughs> and you had ice cream, but now you want more. Right. Like it was this whole thing. And I was losing my fucking shit in this like mm-hmm. stretch. And then as we finally pulled into some little Starbucks. Town, yeah. yeah. We were going to a Starbucks and I was like, right as we were getting out of the car, I mean, I had maxed out. I was like, mm-hmm. I can't take it. I was You're having, having like an adult temper tantrum. Yes. And Monroe from the back seat. She's the saddest, saddest girl in the world. world. Oh, it's like perfect comedy. Oh, God, it was so funny. That's what I think of when I think about the middle of nowhere. Couple, couple more pictures for you. Oh, I'm on. sorry. Yeah, a uh, creepy artist depiction of the water babies at Pyramid Lake. Ugh. Mm hmm. So that's from the legend. And then kind of look- like the guy that's down low. He's like, ha. <laughs> and then looking for more creepy baby pics, I came across a pic of the seasonal mascot of the New Orleans Pelicans, oh. the King Cake Baby. Oh, yeah, he's creepy. Why couldn't they made the king cake baby cute? <laughs> it's so creepy. Why couldn't he just be like a cherub? No, I don't know. He's a very creepy baby. Uh, Pierre the Pelican is the main mascot. This, also, by the way, his next legs are the so funny because mm-hmm. it's a human. And right. like, it's so ridiculous, the proportions. And then and then Pierre the Pelican is the, the normal mascot. Also, also a little a creepy. also a dumb mascot. Yeah. Pelican is not got to work mascot. on Nola's mascots. Um, <laughs> the Hornets, their previous mascot was a, before that franchise moved to Charlotte, was much better. Much better, but even still. Um, I, okay, I, this is one thing I wrote down. Was Pyramid Lake the Little Mermaid story? Yeah. Is that the inspiration for the Little Mermaid movie? <laughs> it is not. I, I had some weird thoughts about that. Um, you mentioned a fish, a fish in the beginning, mm-hmm. a grebe? And that's not a fish. What that's is a, that? it's a, it's a bird. It's, it's like, um, You've seen them. I'd look at the pictures. You, you see them in places where you have ducks often, and they're another oh. waterfowl, but they don't have waterfowl. that big flat bill. Oh, they're um, there's a variety of different okay. kinds of greaves. But you're I'll like, if I yeah, if you saw them, you're like, oh yeah, that little thing. Okay, okay. And then the last thing about like the lake being haunted, of course. Then I thought about Lake Coeur d'Alene, and but what I really thought about was Fernand Lake. Oh yeah, because there is this um, bend around, like you go down Fernand Road, yeah. and people die there at that bend every oh, year. And yeah. I'm like, they always say like, oh, it's like young kids driving too fast, yep, drinking. But now I'm like, wait a slow. second. Mm-hmm. What if it's like something jumps out into the road and scares you? And 
Hi, hi, hi. Hi, hi, hi. Hi, hi, hi. I'm excited for this under the bed story. Okay, let's do it. I've got my two stories. Uh, before we dive in, mm-hmm. happy birthday. Your birthday was yesterday. Oh, yeah. We, that's right. We record these a little in advance. So uh-huh. that's right. So uh, I just want to say happy birthday one day late. Oh, uh, thank you. Just, uh, what, did I, what did I just turn? 25, I think. 20, 25, 25, 26. Same as, same as me. Yeah. Yeah, you've only got me beat by like a year. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so uh, we have a haunted house story to get things going. And it, and it seems like a pretty, pretty, pretty straightforward kind of thing. But what I didn't like was when this ghost decided to show up. That's kind of the, okay. the part of it that, that got me. Because the activity started once the family started to remodel. And that always makes me a little bit yeah. anxious because I'm like, well, we just painted uh. our guest bedroom and like... Now, now is it going to show up more? That is a common thing that comes across uh, up in so many like haunting slash poltergeist stories mm-hmm. that when you change something in the home mm-hmm. that the spirits there supposedly do not like it or sometimes really do not like it and the activity increases substantially. Well, so many examples of that in so many stories. I, you know that I believe that the ghost is in Kyler's room and I haven't <laughs> heard anything new. And maybe, his... maybe the ghost likes the new changes. Maybe, maybe they like that green color that we painted. <laughs> Okay, here we go. Hey, Lindsay and Dan. First off, thank you for keeping me endlessly entertained and terrified each week with Scared to Death and for Uh, pumping my brain full of knowledge juice with Time Suck. uh, Thank you. You guys are the absolute best. Second, oh my heck, I have a long and terrifying story to share with you guys about the house I grew up in and all of the hauntings I endured there. The house that I grew up in was a cute little brick home in a small country town with four bedrooms and three bathrooms. The house was set up in a sort of large L shape and sat towards the end of a cul-de-sac. My parents bought the home in the early 1990s and settled in with my sister and I. My early memories of the home were happy and light. It wasn't until my parents started to renovate the house that the energy in the house shifted from warm and welcoming to cold and tense. You know the feeling you get when someone's watching you? The hairs on your neck stand up, your chest starts to tighten, your breathing quickens as you simultaneously try to silence it, and you know you're not alone. That was the Mm -hmm. feeling I always had in my bedroom. Sometimes the feeling of being watched turned into sheer panic, and I would burst from the room, run down the hall, and into the safety of the living room. It had always been just a feeling, until the feeling turned into a touch. I had gone to bed one night before the rest of my family, and my mom had promised to come and tuck me in after her show went to commercial. I'd gotten myself into bed and shut off the lights and started to drift off to sleep. A few moments later, I heard my bedroom door open and heard soft footsteps on the carpet, making their way to my bed. I felt a hand lay on my cheek, and I opened my eyes to tell my mom good night. Only when I opened my eyes, no one was there. I threw the covers over my head and willed myself to sleep. After that, things began to pick up. I was in middle school now, and my mom worked at the elementary school in my town. It was summer vacation, so I was trusted to be home alone with the promise that I wouldn't use the stove and I would keep the phone lines open in case of emergencies. Like any other day that summer, I woke up to an empty house and a rumbling in my stomach. I grabbed my CD case, chose a mix that my crush had burned for me, and popped it into the DVD player and started making my breakfast. I was enjoying my morning jam session when all of a sudden, the music came to an abrupt stop. I went into the living room to discover that the DVD player had opened all on its own. I chalked it up to the player being old and just pushed the CD back in and started towards the kitchen again. But then I heard the DVD player open once again, and then the TV shut off. I was a little freaked out, and I called my friend to see if I could come spend the night with her. 
She said I could, and I was relieved. I needed to get out of the house for a little while. I hung up the phone, opened my closet to grab some clothes, and out of the corner of my eye, I saw a little girl run down the hall. Whoa. She had dark hair and a flowing dress. I could hear her feet hit the hardwood. I felt sick. I was terrified. I quickly walked into my mom's bathroom to grab a spare toothbrush, and that's when I felt it. The hairs on the neck on the back of my neck stood on end. Something in my brain told me not to look into the mirror, but I couldn't resist. I jerked up my head. Nothing. I breathed out a sigh of relief. I started to walk out of the bathroom when a little girl's voice shouted, "Hi!" Oh my god. I ran from my room. I ran from my room, grabbed my things and headed outside to wait for my friend. After that, nothing happened for a long time. I graduated high school and was in the process of preparing for college when I met a guy. He asked me out on a date and I agreed to go. When he picked me up, he said we were going to see a movie. We ended up watching The Conjuring. <laughs> I'm a peeper to the max and was not <laughs> excited about sitting in a cold movie theater without a blanket and having my eardrums assaulted by the demonic screams coming mm. from the surround sound. I sat through the whole movie knowing I shouldn't be there. I didn't feel alone in my own seat. It felt suffocating. That night, I took a shower and went to bed. I had dreams of being possessed and crying out to Jesus to save me. Mm-hmm. When I woke up in the morning, I said a little prayer, swore never to watch a movie, a scary movie again, <laughs> and started my day. That night, my sister and I were helping my mom with her computer when we heard a loud crash come from my bedroom. We all looked at each other confused as to what could have made such a loud noise. I went into my room and nothing looked disturbed. I looked in my bathroom and my heart sank. An angel bear that had been sitting on the back of my toilet was now sitting in the middle of the floor. This thing was heavy. It was a wax bear, a weird gift from a relative, okay? <laughs> and there was no way it got there by itself. I picked it up and I put it back on the tank. No sooner had I gotten back into the computer room when we heard an even louder crash. This time we all ran to my bathroom to find the angel bear in the middle of the floor with my makeup lying in a perfect circle around the bear. I shakily laughed and put everything back. I tried to say it had been a strange coincidence, but we were definitely all scared. That night as I laid in bed, I could hear whispering in my ear, and I felt a weight on my chest. I prayed and begged for safety, but it didn't come. When I finally found sleep, I was tormented with dreams of possession, pain, and death. I would wake up from the dreams screaming out for Jesus. I could never get out his full name though. It was always a fight to try and say it. Tears falling down my face, I knew I was losing the fight. I started waking up with scratches on my body. I had dark circles under my eyes. I was exhausted. I didn't want to stay in my room anymore and began sleeping on the couch. My dad would get mad at me and say I shouldn't be afraid of my own home. He just didn't understand. I finally told my parents what was happening and my dad told me I was just imagining things. But my mom went pale. She told me to stop saying it out loud. She didn't want to hear it anymore. I felt helpless and finally turned to my aunt who is very religious. I told her everything about the things I saw as a child. She gave me instructions on how to cleanse the house. I walked through our home reciting prayers and following whatever advice my aunt had given me. Thankfully, after 2 weeks of cleansing, I felt free. No more my- nightmares, no more whispers, no more scratches. Fast forward to last November, I was helping my dad move out. My parents had gotten a divorce and they were selling the house. I was going through old pictures, certificates, school projects, etc. Mm-hmm. And I found a drawing I had made as a little girl. 
It was a drawing of our house. It was drawn from the outside, looking in, as if the house had been cut in half and you could see the attic and the main floor. Mm -hmm. In the drawing was my sister, my mom, my dad, myself, and our family car. However, as I scanned the picture, my eyes gazed to the attic portion of the drawing. In black crayon, I had drawn a little girl standing in the Uh. attic. I took a picture of it and sent it to my mom. She immediately called me, and her voice was shaking. She told me that she had believed me the whole time, and even she had seen the little girl in her room. The girl had been twirling by her bed at night, and sometimes she would feel her hand press against her skin. Uh. Caitlin. Yikes. Yikes. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I think it's just because there's so many horror movies where they've shown up. Yeah. But a little dark haired girl. I know. It scares the shit, shit out of me. Like that image is somehow scarier. <laughs> it's somehow scarier than like uh, in, in a way of like a, a monster. I don't know why. I don't know why. But it's like like that with the the part that gave me the chills in that story the most yeah. was when she um saw the little girl with the dark, mm-hmm. you know, coming down the stairs and then heard her feet hit. And then what was it like? Hi. Hi. You know, like a little bit later. Yeah. Yeah, that would really, really. I think because it's me approachable, up. it's believable. Ooh. It's not some like weird creature that you've never seen. It's like, yeah, I've seen a little girl run down a hallway with dark hair. I Hi, think, Monroe. I think uh, my brain wants to assume that it is evil and it's trying to trick me. Mm. It's like if some horrible entity is trying to make you, you know, uh, feel like uh, get your guard down. Mm-hmm. It's just like, oh, there's nothing to worry about. Just a little girl. Yeah, you know, it's okay. And it's like, no, it's not okay. Your squishy is so funny. Oh, yeah, that one Emerson got me. <laughs> so sweet. Um, okay. That one gave me the chills a couple times. Okay, well, this is a good old-fashioned monster under the bed story. I don't know. We like, haven't told many of those. I don't I don't if, think if, I've ever told one, I don't period. think you have, yeah. Yeah, it I, is fucking intense, I've I think. Ha- I don't know that I, I... I've had entities that, like, I know they think of kind of it. I don't know that I have, actually, for sure. Uh, told a story about something that was, you know, specifically under the bed. Feels familiar? But I can't tell if it's just my memory of a story I told or just seeing something else or reading something. Well, any parents who let their kids listen, like if you <laughs> if, if this is all an issue stop in your now. house, you just not kidding. You want to stop okay. right now. OK. Um, did you ever have like a routine at night? Like uh, like I definitely had like, OK, yep, there's something under the bed. So I would have like this routine of like how I'd come down the hallway. I could step here and here and then like dive into my bed. <laughs> I you know? did. And actually, I don't think I've told this story here on this podcast. Yeah. I scared oh, the yeah. shit out of my sister growing up. Like yeah. the most I ever scared her by far. <laughs> she must have been, I don't know, six, seven years old, somewhere yeah. in that range. And so that would have put me at around, you know, 12, 11, 12. Mm-hmm. And I, her room was down the hall from my room, this little trailer where we lived. Mm-hmm. Mom's room was on one side of the trailer. Yeah. And on the other side, it was the guest bathroom and then our two rooms. And she had to walk past my room to get to mom's room where she'd always want to like, you know, go sleep in mom's bed because she was scared. Right, right. And she was doing that for a while there because for, for this, uh, I don't know how long it lasted, maybe a couple weeks mm-hmm. before I got caught. I would do this thing where I would tell her that there was something horrible happening, but that I was trying to help her. And, and, <laughs> and I would like psychologically torture her and like try and give her incentive not to rat me out. Yeah. So what I did with this one is one day, this is so messed up looking back. Uh-huh. I, I was like, I was like, hey, Donna, I don't want to freak you out, but I've been seeing something under your bed and it's bad. Like it's, <laughs> it's a demon, some kind of it's a bad monster. I mean, it could kill you. <laughs> <laughs> and then her eyes, like, all wide-eyed. She's like, of course, terrified. Yeah. And she's like, going to go tell mom. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm like, if you care about mom, you can't tell her. Because if you tell, if mom knows that thing is there, it will kill her. <laughs> 
That's so mean. <laughs> so I put her in this crazy mental space. So then I swear I'm not making this up. I did all this, and then so her, you know, the hall to her room, the little tiny hall, went by my door. And so at night, when I would be sitting there, usually just playing Nintendo, mm-hmm. have my door open. <laughs> I would see her sprint down the hall and then like she would do like this long jump into her bed because she didn't want to touch anywhere. Oh, yeah, because I told her, I'm like, you'll be okay. It'll probably be gone in like a month or so. Like like I have all this weird I knowledge. You gave it an expiration yeah, date. I know. I know. All these great things. I'm like, you just have to not touch the floor anywhere near your bed and you'll be okay. And then mom finally was like, why the hell is Donna sprinting and jumping into her bed every night? And then got the story out of her and like everything came crashing down. But before that, she would sprint and then a couple times... I would see this blanket, moving blanket start to shift. Like she'd be completely under her blanket and crawling down the hallway. And I'd be like, go back to your room, Donna. I'm like, like, just get back in your bed. And then the little blanket mask would crawl back. Oh, Oh, so sad. Poor sister. All right. Well, this is an anonymous story. I figured I'd finally throw my own spooky personal story into the hat after enjoying several great episodes of Scared to Death. This story is genuine and still gives me chills recalling it to this day. A many, a great many people know of the classic and spooky monster under the bed, be it from personal childhood fears or hearing mm. it from others. Most are likely indeed a product of a vivid imagination and fears, but some may just be a bit more credence, have a bit more credence. My story dates back to 2001 when I was eight and living in Aurora, Illinois. I'm an only child, so it was just me, my mom, and my dad. One area of our house that always scared me was the space behind the furnace, which resided in a far corner of the basement. For some reason, that space behind the furnace always seemed to be incredibly dark, even though there was a small window close by that let in a good amount of daylight. My bedroom was above the furnace, like right above it. I always thought that whatever may have been in that darkness behind the furnace would stay in the basement, and it couldn't get to me. My mother always prayed with me before I went to bed, so I figured I was protected by my family's religious beliefs. I have no idea why things suddenly started to change towards the dark and terrifying. My parents' marriage was getting a bit rocky around this time, with some fighting here and there, so perhaps it was this negative energy, but who knows. Around the time things began to get strange, my mom had moved into my room and out of the master bedroom to sleep. We'd gotten a bunk bed to facilitate this, myself being on the top bunk. I clearly remember the night things began. It's burned into my memory. I woke up in the middle of the night for no real reason. The room felt really cold, which was odd. Due to being close to the furnace, it was generally warmer than more often than not. The air also felt heavy and smothering, which unsettled me a bit. Then I heard the faint noise of a hum. At first, I thought the sound was coming from somewhere outside my bedroom window, but it eventually came again loudly, and I quickly realized it was very much coming from within my room. The best thing I can mostly compare it to is from Jurassic Park, that sort of T-Rex sound. Not roaring, but if you've watched the movie, it's those low and guttural growls that are often made. I was frozen in bed. I, surprised my, I was surprised my mom hadn't woken up from the bottom bunk beneath me. My curiosity soon got the better of me, and a need to try and identify the source of the sound took over. I was looking for some kind of logical explanation for these sounds. I looked over the edge of my bunk, and from under the bed I saw what looked like a rolling black mist, just barely flickering out from that space. The growls continued intermittently. Okay. (laughs) 
Uh, this scared me out of my wits for the obvious reasons, but also for fear that this thing possibly could attack my mother. I stared for what felt like an eternity, nothing more coming out from under the bed. I thought maybe turning on the light would make things go away. Light always chases monsters away. I didn't want to move, but I also didn't want to remain like this all night for fear of what may emerge and come for me or my mom. I managed to jump down from my bed and sprint across my room towards the light switch. The very second my feet hit the wood floor, I felt a horrifying presence behind me. I didn't look back for fear of what I might see, but I did let out a terrified scream as I ran. I managed to flick on the light and look behind me to see nothing but my mom, who had shot awake, and looked at me with concern. The growling was gone, and so was the mist. My mom calmed me down and reassured me that I likely had had a very vivid dream and was sleepwalking, as I had been known to sometimes do. I accepted this and managed to go back to sleep with no more growling for the night. This wasn't, however, the end. The growling continued randomly, sometimes back to back night after night and other times weeks apart. I didn't want to say anything since at the time my parents' marriage was so strained. Mm. I didn't want to add to their stress. I bit my tongue and tried to tough it out, to go by my dad's creed, to be a man. Trying to solve problems myself, I thought I, I thought if I confronted what scared me, it would dissipate and go away. You know, face your fears. I asked my dad if he'd be there for moral support, and he agreed, likely happy to help his son to grow and overcome a childhood boogeyman. I went down to the basement, towards the furnace in that pitch-black space. I stood a good foot from the space, and it felt like something could reach out and grab me and pull me away from my dad into the darkness at any moment. I managed to repeatedly say, I'm not afraid of you, with some kind of confidence as my dad stood behind me. He praised me for being strong and facing what scared me. I wanted to believe I overcame whatever fear that had caused these events on the surface, but deep down, I felt as if I'd just taken a stick and poked the bear. For a while, it actually seemed to work. But that soon ended, and whatever resided behind the furnace decided to come back. Late one night, I woke up once more with the familiar sense of heavy, cold air. Once more, that terrible growling began. But I still tried to stay strong, thinking, if I faced this thing, it would go away. I looked over my bed, and what I saw chilled me to the bone. Two piercing, glowing red eyes gazed up at me as a bestial-looking head held those eyes. It seemed canine-like in a way with pointed ears. A pair of hands gripped the bottom edge of the bed, long and gnarled fingers pressing into the fabric of the box spring as it gazed up at me. The thing's eyes felt feral and at the same time keen and aware. I felt like this thing was silently saying, "'Guess what, little boy? I'm very real. You can't get rid of me.'" It continued to emanate that bone-rattling growl. I definitely couldn't summon the courage to dart across my room and flick on the light as I had before. Whatever this entity was would certainly catch me. The thing didn't make an effort, though, to crawl up further towards me, so I laid back down and simply tried to go back to sleep, the growling a weird soundscape in the background. Horrible nightmares plagued me after that night. Whenever I did get to sleep, it felt like no matter what I did, that thing's presence was lingering frightening me. My mother was growing a bit concerned. My dad had claimed it was just me being a kid, fearing the thing that kids fear. He tends not to believe in the whole demon possession shadow people kind of thing. He had more important things to worry about, like bills, house maintenance, and his marriage. And I don't blame him. My mom is more of the spiritual side, though. She believes in demons, negative energy, and so on. And she began to think that something more was happening. 
She still wasn't hearing the growling, but she did feel a heavy presence in my room that had begun once the entity had shown itself to me that night. She hung a crucifix above my bed while saying a protective prayer. She told me it would keep me safe. I felt better once more after watching my mom do her prayers as well as having the crucifix close by. It gave me a sense of safety, and thus, but thus, shortly after, I would be visited once more by the entity. It was the same growling, but this time, it's not what woke me up. It started after I woke up as opposed to being the thing that woke me up. I didn't want to look over the edge of the bed. I didn't want to see what I'd seen last time, but at that age, I guess I was already a bit of a creeper since I eventually looked. I saw a large, black, humanoid figure crawl its way back out from under the bed and began to crawl around on the floor of my bedroom. The way it moved is like nothing an animal or human moving on... The way it moved is like an animal or human moving on all fours. It shifted in jerking but unnatural movements, growing slow, fast, slow, fast, and so on. The thing's back legs looked like human legs if you twisted them 180 degrees with its front arms similar to a human's, save for those twisted long fingers. It simply crawled and moved its way throughout my room, but thankfully it never looked up at me. Thinking, uh, thinking as if it were... Think, sorry, thinking back, it's as if it were searching for something, like it could detect my presence. I thought about the protective prayer that had actually worked, but seeing this thing crawling around terrified me. I remembered as I tried to reach up for the crucifix that if I could hold it and pray, I could probably make it go away. The room was dark and I couldn't see too well. Instead of grabbing the crucifix, I knocked it from its nail off the wall down between the narrow spaces of my bunk bed frame and the wall. The sound of the wooden crucifix hitting the floor was like a landmine had gone off. I instinctively looked over the edge of my bed and that thing was now looking right at me with those red eyes clinging to the opposite wall like some kind of spider with its head bent in an unnatural way. I pulled the covers up over me till my eyes were peeking out and I closed them as I started to pray to God for protection. The growling continued, but I just kept my eyes closed and continued praying. I heard the creaking of wood, and suddenly I felt those long fingertips wrap around my ankle, squeezing painfully tight with a freezing cold touch. My eyes shot open, and looking down, those horrible red eyes gazed right at me from the foot of my bed. I could see a faint maw of twisted and pointed teeth curled in a dark grin. I felt frozen, not just in fear, but as if this thing's very gaze was locked, had locked me in place and paralyzed me as those hands gripped my ankle. It was chilling to the touch. I managed to gasp enough breath to let out a scream, which woke up my mom, who jumped out of her bunk bed, switching the bedroom light on. The moment the light came on, I blinked from the brightness, and when I opened my eyes, the thing was gone. My mom tried to comfort me, but I was visibly shaken and terrified. Needless to say, I slept on the couch for the rest of the night. The following morning, my mom found a giant bruise around one of my ankles. Ah. What, which and which looked like a large handprint. I finally told my mom all that had transpired since this whole terrifying debacle had begun. She didn't dismiss it. She, she didn't dismiss what I had claimed to see. She simply told me she'd take care of this once and for all. I guess once she finally knew what had been happening to me, plus the thing actually hurting me, my mom entered hardcore mama bear mode. She got some sage and began in the basement, making her way to my room and the rest of the house. I walked through the house holding a large stick of sage she'd bought while she recited her protective prayers. We eventually finished the process in the enclosed front porch of our house. 
My mom pointed out to the driveway and told me I shouldn't be worrying about the thing under my bed any longer. It was evening, but the sun was still up enough, and I managed to watch this inky black figure slithering its way down our driveway, across the street, towards the house opposite of ours. Mind you, the house in question had been vacant for years. No furniture, no electricity, nothing in that house. This black thing got to the front door, and before slipping its way underneath, the front entrance to this house had a little light. That, that would illuminate the immediate walkway, and as this thing slithered under the door, the light flickered for a few seconds. True to what my mom said, I never had any other experiences. Part of me ponders what happened and what I encountered as some sort of demonic shadow person after listening to Times Like and Scared to Death. <laughs> Who knows? I sure as heck am not going to dig for that answer. I hope this gave you good... Uh, both gave you both a bit of a spook as well as the whole scared to death crew maybe the dark space beneath your beds will have a more ominous sense to it after you read my tale hey, and who said that it was an anonymous? anonymous yeah 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 that is interesting to think that there could be something that like has like this weird shape like this like crawling little humanoid thing that could be hiding under there when, when the the uh, creature was first brought up i flashed on that movie we just saw black coat's daughter yeah m- m- the little beast that would appear next to her sometimes. It creeped oh, you out. yeah. The, kind like, of a Donnie bunny. Darko bunny thing. Yeah. It's like when she, when she uh, or when they, uh, he, I guess, described it as a bestial thing yeah, yeah. with the eyes. I was like, oh, yeah. I don't think that thing had red eyes, but. It didn't have any eyes, but yeah, yeah it's the same. Yeah. And like, oh, just so weird. Mm-hmm. And the mom couldn't see it, but I love that the mom believed her uh-huh, child uh-huh. and saged and apparently mm-hmm. out it went. That's right? weird that they also saw it leave. I know. That like that little detail kind of did me in. Yeah. Like, oh, uh, what if you were like, oh, Lindsay, like, I think something's really like in our house. I'm like, okay. Yeah. And I sage it. And then we look out the driveway and you just see it. Oh, my God. That that's, that story like right now just in this room mm-hmm. didn't bother me for whatever reason. Or didn't give me the chills as, the same way as the first story. Mm-hmm. But I know mm-hmm. that tonight or one of the nights, you know, here coming up, I'm uh-huh. going to be, you know, walking into bed uh-huh. and I'm going to get right by the bed and then I'm going to flash on it and be like, ah, dang it. I know. There's just enough shadows cast on walls and just enough like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Don't you kind of wish that we slept when it was like really bright outside? <laughs> no, I do like sleeping in the dark, <laughs> but it is. I've actually been sleeping through the night pretty steady lately, which is nice. I know uh, you've been a snore monster. Have I really? Yes. <laughs> but but uh, that's that's when I get actually and it was happening to me uh, a couple nights ago, two nights in a row. When I got up yeah. to use the bathroom, yeah. I woke up just spooked. I don't remember having any dreams. And then when I went to the bathroom, it was a very powerful don't look in the basement feeling and don't look at that mirror that leads upstairs. Why? And I like hardcore avoided both of those and then just got back to bed and then I fell back asleep quickly. But I mean, but I had like the chills and I normally don't wake up like spooked. And that both happened like uh, a couple days ago. So, you know, a couple days ago and then, you know, two nights in a row. Uh, okay. Well, I guess I'll be burning some sage when I get home. Yeah, I love yeah, that you yeah, don't yeah, tell yeah. me these things. I, have, I forget sometimes in the morning. And uh, then when it's bright outside, I'm just like, ah, oh, whatever. But I have all the crystals and sage and stuff. True. But you're also like, I know, I'm hesitant to talk to you about that stuff because if I were like, let's say I were to wake you up. Okay. If you are if you were to wake me up in the middle of the night because uh, you saw something scary, uh-huh. 
my, I would be more dismissive, which I know is annoying, but I would be like a calming presence. I would be like, no, it's okay. Come on. No, you would not be calming. You'd be like, ugh. But if, but You'd if, be annoyed <laughs> and not calming. But if I woke you up, it would go from like, if it was already at like a six yeah. out of 10, like paranoia, scared level, it would immediately go to 10. I don't know if that's you true. Would, I, you would feed the fear. I don't know if that's true. I am better at calming other people down. Like I, In I, this slice, I don't in know, this I spend sense, my life getting you to like, ooh, buddy. Cool it. Yeah, when I get fired up about stuff. But in this situation, I don't think you'd be a calming presence. Well, you should find out. Okay. You should find out. We'll see how that goes. Me waking you up in the middle of the night telling you that I think there's something well, outside. Basically, what I want to do... Well, you didn't say outside. Uh, out the, outside of the bedroom. Oh, okay. I think what I would do is, yes, I'd be like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. And then I'd be like a little bit nervous. But then I'd be like, okay, let's go together. Let's flip on all the lights. Let's like clear it. Let's make sure we're mm-hmm. okay. And then I'd want to come, because that's what I do. And then I would want to come back to bed. And I just would want to sleep with the pink Himalayan salt lamp on. Because it gives like yeah. just the right amount of glow. It's not even about the salt lamp. It's like not too bright. You can still sleep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And okay. I would definitely right. want to snuggle. <laughs> true, true. Yeah. Do you have some um, Annabelle shout yeah. outs you want to do? You want me to go first? Sure. Okay. So I would like to thank the following Annabelles for supporting us on Patreon and thanks to those Annabelles who have been showing up at our uh, watch parties too. Had another fun one uh, recently. Uh, first off, Jennifer Pinkston, Jose Luano, Kate Puckett, William Perry, Alyssa and Sam, Jonathan Wetner, Jeff Maddle. Thank you, uh, Jeff, for the pronunciation, too, for adding like ladle. So then why'd you say maddle? Like ladle. Oh, like ladle. I can't even read. Like, like Jeff ma- Madel. Jeff like Madel. Ladle. <laughs> like dreidel, dreidel, dreidel. I love, right, I love that the pronunciation guide is in there, and I still screwed it up. Did I spell uh, ladle wrong? Nope, you sure didn't. Okay. All right. I was like, oh, shoot, I did it wrong. I saw ladder <laughs> and, and thought of ladder, and then I just <laughs> added that to ladle. Like, yeah, it's a ladle. Hey, can you grab that ladle? <laughs> And I need, I need to get this soup poured out of this, out of this poot. Can you get me a ladle for the poot? And then there's a souser pan. Um, okay. So Jeff, oh. Jeff Madel, Shannon Dolan, Maria Gonzalez, Tanya Buffalo. Did uh, you say Maria? Maria? M-A-U-R-Y-A. Oh, okay. Maria. I was like, wow, you're on a roll. That would be hilarious if it was clearly M-A-R-I-A. And I was like, Mar- Maria? Mar- Maria, yeah, yeah. We're on a roll today. Uh, no, Maria Gonzalez, Tanya Buffalo, Brittany Whitehouse. Now, this I think is a misspelling of you. You have it B I R T T A N Y, like Brittany, but it might be. I've never seen Brittany, but I've seen a lot of Brittany's. Oh, did I inverse the if you, letters? If you flip the R, so I'm going to say Brittany. Brittany, well, we we are really crushing if, if, it. If you are Brittany, I apologize, Brittany. <laughs> I think it's Brittany. <laughs> I fi- I picture. <laughs> When I say Bertney, I immediately <laughs> picture Bert and Ernie from Sesame Street, and I picture Bert having like long flowing locks. <laughs> Who's that? Oh, that's Bertney. Um, okay. And now I'm really, I now I really so apologize funny. if it's Bertney. Davy Bell, and thanks to Kim Watson, Caitlin, Teresa, and uh, Teresa, Caitlin, Teresa, and Jessica Breer. I will say in our defense, I always feel better about names. Yeah. If you spend a lot of times in airports. Oh my God! Listen to the uh, th- uh, the oh shit the ticketing agents not the ticketing agents the uh, gate agents gate agents when they're like uh, could you can almost like with the pause in my head I I just add the ah oh, fuck <laughs> when they're when they're like could Hasaka 
Malakalus, please come to the desk or whatever it is. <laughs> please approach the gate agent. Yeah. I think that I have a lot of sympathy for it because my maiden last name was so true. Oh, yeah. I've like, seen that a million times with you. Brad Zeminski. They're like, and to me, in my mind, I'm like, God, it's so easy. It's it just phonetic. phonetic. But but you wouldn't know. But when I you mean, see it as this big blob of letters, you're, you're just like, like oh, what's that? Oh, I've seen it a ton of times. Yeah. You know, when people go, like, say your name and they're like, um, uh, they pause. They're like, Radzeis. Radzeis Maniski, you know, like they just can't. Even on Cummins, I know Cummins. My favorite is Cummings. There's not a fucking G in our last name, but your mind just adds it. I know there should be. I will say, in in uh, not to defend our name, it's spelled wrong. If how do you know that? Because I'm sure my ancestors were stubborn when they came into. What about all the other Cumminses? It's all wrong. It should be should have have the G there. G would be the Americanized way. I think in Scotland it was more the N, and then. People just got stubborn and were like, I don't want to add a G. Well, Fine. you know what? Ancestors should have fucking added the G. Yikes. I highly disagree, but okay. <laughs> Fine. You could, wow. We're not, in, we're not in Scotland anymore. Whew, my goodness. Well, I would like to properly pronounce and thank the following Annabelles. <laughs> okay. I better not fuck this up now. <laughs> Tiffany Davis, Finney Richards, Julie Watt, Leah Easterly, Scott Olson, Julie K., Katie Lynn Bostick, Christina Klein, Hannah King, Nicole and Andy Waffles, Sadie Noah. Waffles? I know. I don't know if that's really their last name or not. Mr. and Mrs. Waffles? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I want that last name. Bertney Waffles. At least, at least the first name isn't anything like Christina or anything with like where people are calling them like yeah. chicken and waffles. Yeah, right. Right. I mean, oh, come on. When you have a crazy last name, you've heard every oh sure every iteration. Kyler's getting that right now with Cummins, yeah. Uh, yeah. our fifteen year old. Yeah. Um, he was like, "So, did you have a lot of fun uh, with our name at this age?" And I was like, "Oh, yep." Sure did, buddy. I'm like, you're hearing every variation of come. And he's like, I sure am. Yeah, and he is not amused. I mean, he's a good sport, but he Mm -hmm. just doesn't have that kind of humor. So he's like, oh, please. Mm -hmm. Anyways, Sadie, no last name. Carol Spikes, Kayla Burnett, Lloyd Settles, and Eric Boltz. I had pretty good ones this week. Okay. I get spoopy shout outs? I sure do, Dan. Okay. So I have to Ola from Anna. Happy name day. This is a Polish tradition. I don't expect you to understand. Okay. To Alyssa from Michelle. Happy birthday. To Weasel from Honey Much, happy anniversary. Now, those names might sound familiar. It's so mm. cute. This couple, one wrote in for a birthday shout out while simultaneously the other one was writing in for the other Aww. person. And then they they sent me this message. They're like, listen, we know this is obnoxious, but could we just get the trifecta and have our anniversary as well? And then we'll leave you alone. Nice, it was nice. very yeah. cute. Uh, to Ryan from Lindsay, happy birthday. To Des from Daniela, your mom, happy birthday. And now this is a big, important one. This message is to Ozzy from your mom, Natasha. And she just wanted to tell you that she's hoping that you're okay. Uh, and in fact, all of us here at Bad Magic are pulling for you. Ozzy was in a really bad car accident uh. where he was the passenger. The driver died on site. Jeez. And her son, Ozzy, uh, he's a huge creeper, father of a young son, and is in the hospital really, really pulling uh, for him. Fight, to fight, fight, Ozzy. fight, 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 fight. Yes. Uh, yeah, we will be thinking of you. Yeah, we'll be carrying you in our thoughts. And that is all for today. Thanks for continuing to send in your personal tales of terror to my story at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. You can email us for everything else at info at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. Thanks to Lothan, Logan Keith. <laughs> Lothan? Uh, Logan Keith on social media. We're killing it today. Lothan and Logan. And badmagicmerch.com, uh, the merch design. 
thanks to producer Sophie Evans for help with story curation. Zach Flannery for directing and producing today. Woo-hoo. And that was Zach with the little growl thing that got you. Uh, Zach Cohen for custom soundbed creation. Heather Rylander for organizing the My Story emails. Subscribe to Bad Magic Productions on YouTube if you'd like to watch the show. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram, Scared to Death Podcast, if you'd like to see pictures from the shows and more content. Uh, thanks to Liz Hernandez for moderating the Creeps and Peepers Facebook group. And if you want to be part of our monthly horror movie watch party, become an Annabelle on Patreon. We just watched The Black Coat's Daughter a few weeks ago. And a few weeks from now, we'll be watching The Invitation together. Mm-hmm. And if you're an Annabelle, some of you will be joining me next Sunday for a private makeup class with me oh, and my nice. best friend who's a makeup artist. There's all sorts of fun little things that happen there. Fun, fun, fun. Enjoy your nightmares, Creeps and Peepers. Hope you were scared to death. Bye, guys. If spirits threaten me in this place, fight water by water and fire by fire. Banish their souls into nothingness and remove their powers until the last trace. Let these evil beings flee through time and space. Evil may pass through but has no home here within scared to death. If you're shopping while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast, then you know and love the thrill of the hunt. But are you getting the thrill of the best deals? Rakuten shoppers do. They get the brands they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Nike, Walmart, and Zappos. And even stack sales on top of cash back. It's easy to use and you can get your cash back through PayPal or check. The idea is simple. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers. And Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Here you are. BPM's high, sweat dripping, body moving, tongue panting. You're working hard, real hard, and you're thirsty. You need vitamins, nutrients for peak performance and energy. And your plants do too. Aw, let me just look at the little guy. Water-soluble plant food from miracle Grow is full of essential nutrients. Just a little scoop into your watering can and boom, instant feeding and bigger, more beautiful plants. It's kind of like a sports drink for your plants. You may have to suffer from heat, but your plants do not. 